0: Everybody and welcome to episode number 114 of the Tuesday Night Comics Podcast. I'm Billy, and with me as always is Dave. Hey guys! And before I hit the record button, uh, Dave and I were talking about Paul Ryan's passing. We're very sad to hear about this uh, this week. It looks like he passed away this past weekend.
1: Yes, not to uh, be confused with the politician.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and he was a longtime contributor with Tom DeFalco. He, they they had a a run on Fantastic 4 together which is where I really know Paul Ryan from he he did the issue where actually where Johnny Storm married Alicia Masters who was you know started out as the Thing's girlfriend then dated Johnny Storm um and in that issue after
1: what a flu- Johnny
0: so Johnny Storm and the Thing get into like a big fight but it's not just because like the Thing is jealous that you know his friend is marrying his ex-girlfriend it's that the Thing has found out that Alicia masters is actually a scroll. <laughs> um, and there has been a scroll that's been posing as her for years. Um, but yeah, Paul Ryan drew that issue. It's like one of those key, like early nineties comics that, that it just always stands out in my memory.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And Paul Ryan yeah. did a lot of artwork for Superman comics and I was a big Superman fan and he was coming in, um, right, right when I was kind of leaving, you know, um, He jumped in when uh, they added a fifth Superman title um, to hit all those, like, uh, fifth-week Wednesdays. Uh, So, like, four times a year, uh, there was Superman, the Man of Tomorrow. And Paul Ryan did artwork on there. And he also was around for the wedding and the red and blue Superman. Um, So, like, I I feel like it was when Superman kind of got very gimmicky. Um, but at the same time, i I, I really liked uh, his his style. and i and I liked, you know that he kind of had that like Tom Grummet style. And I think that that fits really nicely with the Superman books,
0: yeah, I know, I agree. and and I totally get what you're saying about extra gimmicky. I remember uh, when the Superman comics, they even did like a like a color forms cover when when Superman was fighting Lobo.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could put, like, them fighting all over Metropolis on the cover. I think they didn't, yeah. wasn't like, a wraparound cover?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. And, 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 I think the art on that one was by John Bogdanov. Um And uh that, actually, as far as gimmicky covers go, that was one of my favorites. It's yeah, that's definitely... cool. They,
1: they also did that with the, when Superman uh, family of books crossed over with uh the milestone books there was like a, yes. uh uh a, a i think it was called worlds collide and it was the yes. of the, the 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 story to run through the books and so you got all color forms of like you know um all the superman characters and then all of the milestone characters so um i, I remember they were on windows and uh uh <laughs> and certain lamps and uh the bedroom I shared with my brother after that.
0: Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. um, The the Superman Lobo color forms found themselves all over my house as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Paul Ryan, speaking of his Superman run, Walt Simonson had a nice thing to say about him uh, and particularly about his Superman work uh, on Walt Simonson's Facebook page. Uh, Walt wrote, That he had a full-size xerox of a page paul penciled for a superman book many years ago it was a shot across the kent kitchen with ma kent on a stool reaching up into a cabinet clark was in the shot as well it was a masterful execution of perspective and space and acting and personality in a single drawing that i'm guessing most readers would have zipped right past because it was so wonderfully prosaic and walt used it to take into his classes at sba when he taught cartooning there uh, to show his students what such concentration drawing can you and drawing could accomplish, he writes, "Thanks for everything, Paul. Godspeed."
1: Wow that 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 is a that's a great quote. Um, yeah, and and it's so true. Um, you know, at work, a lot of times I talk about different techniques in design um, to marketers, and um, you know, just other other people who are are putting in art jobs and one of the things i i always say is like the best you know you could just drop in a technique uh you know in this mad libs uh are the ones that go unnoticed you know like if you use a drop shadow and everyone's like oh there's a drop shadow that (laughs) is a terrible execution of a drop shadow you know and so you know the the point walt's making here is that like he you know, did so many things right in that single panel that like you just were caught up in the story and you didn't know that you were reading something that was drawn by a master, you know?
0: Totally. Um, And then Tom DeFalco, his longtime uh, collaborator, had I think the best thing to say about him. He writes, Paul Ryan was a great artist and an even greater person. He could draw anything from a mundane scene of a couple walking down the street to a whole new fantastic universe and make it seem real. His artwork set you into the story and made you feel for the characters, writing every emotional beat they experienced. He was also a guy who wore his heart on his sleeve and helped many of us through some pretty trying times. He will be missed, but his work will stand as long as comics are read. Uh, so, yeah, rest in peace, Paul Ryan.
1: Yeah, yeah that those, those, was those, those very nice. Yeah.
0: And he was pretty young, too. He was in his 60s. I think he was oh. 69.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know... um, I remember my my dad's dad passed away in the 60s and I remember everyone was talking about how young he was and you know as a kid I was like he's in his 60s that's old you know and now I you know I think about it and you know yeah, you're
0: in your mid 30s and you're like oof
1: yeah I'm like oh man you know that that is kind of young you know yeah
0: yeah, like my grandmother is a hundred and two, so anything younger than a hundred to me is like too early. Like somebody dies <laughs> at like ninety six, and I'm like, ah, oh, poor bastard.
1: <laughs> that's funny.
0: Yeah. And uh... Uh, and then in some you know lighter news, uh, J.K. Simmons was cast as Jim Gordon in Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. This was going to be the movie that follows Batman
1: versus Superman. That's that's interesting that jim gordon is in a justice league movie that
0: is true um i i would question that except i love jk simmons so much he, he was the dad in juno he he was j jonah jameson uh in um in the spider-man movies he was the, right. the music teacher in whiplash like I, I love his movie i love him as an actor so much that i'm like yeah whatever do it i'm, I'm all for it i want it to just be a jim gordon movie now
1: yeah i wonder if it's a cameo or if like it's you know like uh, uh, by cameo i mean like you know batman's hanging around the gotham with jim gordon then he's got to go punch dark or something you know like right. um so it's not like he's going to be in the, the whole movie you know whereas steve trevor might seem like he would be like you know as far as the justice league comics now go he's yeah. kind of like interacts with the team you know
0: yeah, he he goes out on missions with the team. I can't see Jim Gordon doing that.
1: Right, right. Um, like I,
0: I, I don't think this will be the Bat Armor Batman that, you know, rabbit ears Jim Gordon, like as Batman.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Um so although,
0: although to be fair, I think JK Simmons is more muscular than Ben Affleck is. So he could he could totally play Batman. He has the physique for it.
1: Also true. Also very true.
0: I all I remember watching Whiplash was like, man, JK Simmons is cut.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um Yeah. So, in other news, uh Dan Didio um yeah. out on his uh uh, in the in-store convention kickoff, um, uh, he's, he's talking about, um, rebirth and and what we're going to see afterwards. And he's talking a lot about the continuity in those CW TV shows and how it's, he's saying that that's kind of what they're modeling, um, the way they're handling continuity. Like it's, it's going to be tight. And, and whenever they say that I go, really, really? (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, it it just never happens, you know, like, you know, they're like, it's going to be tight, everything, everything's going to be, be across the board, and then you find out, like, you know, Spectre shows up here, and then he says something contradictory in another book, and you're like, Dan, Dan, he's like, well, 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 you know, and then he, you know, backpedals, so just, just don't say that, Dan, just don't say that.
0: Yeah, even just, like, uh robin or tim drake being a robin in batman number one new 52 and then in his is in Titans saying like i was always red robin i was never robin so they had to change this the batman issue when it went to trade to say that like tim
1: drake was red robin not robin right and he also said his favorite of the upcoming rebirth titles is super sons Another thing you should never say, Dan the Dio, is your favorite title, because um, one, if you work on the title, or if you if you have a favorite title, it never lasts. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, um, it's like,
0: oh, this is my favorite title. That's it, that's like code for we don't think this is gonna sell. Well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Please buy it. Please buy it. Um, yeah. And he he also talked about Jerry Conway uh, taking Firestorm back to what he intended the character to be at the very beginning, and so that's, um, so that's kind of cool.
0: That is kind of cool. Though I, I remember reading like some like Jerry Conway get into an argument on Twitter back when I followed Jerry Conway on Twitter, <laughs> um, and he was taught, like Jerry Conway is very pro nuclear power. It seems. Um, <laughs> And, like, it seems like his politics are also very much, like, in the 1980s. So I'm wondering, like, how well that's going to read, you know, 20 to 30 years later.
1: Well, I mean, may- maybe he wants to make America great again, so.
0: Maybe. maybe, maybe. Yeah, Jer- Jerry. <laughs> I don't want to say Jerry Conway is on board with Donald Trump.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, a, many, it was a many-layered joke. It was a many-layered joke. Yeah. Jerry Conway is now going to come after us. The guy's, the,
0: the, the guy's got the temper of a nuclear man, Dave.
1: <laughs> oh, also, dang.
0: also, I'm pretty sure he killed Gwen Stacy. The man, the man's not to be trifled with.
1: He's got to be stopped. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: #Hashtag Jerry Conway
1: needs to be stopped. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this, uh, you know, this rebirth stuff. So
0: yeah i'm looking forward to rebirth too but i was looking forward to the new 52 as well and i i i and i, and I did enjoy the early part of the new 52 and I, I think there was definitely some gems in there but unfortunately it's like okay how, how often does dc have to like be like oh we're gonna shake everything up like
1: <laughs> well i feel like you know when we were talking just before about like uh you know the gimmicky covers of you know yeah. And DC's events and shakeups seem to be very gimmicky. Yeah. And I, I think there was a lot of stuff that was in the New 52 in the beginning that was great and a lot that didn't work. Oh, no, totally. But you know what I think they need to learn is stop, like, shaking up their whole line, you know? When Marvel... Uh, re- does one of these things, you know, uh, or like they do a next wave of their all new, all different, all crazy Marvel, you know, they don't change everything in the line. They don't start everything at number ones again or do all the, you know. um, And so you get a handful of number ones that, you know, they're going to throw and see what sticks. And I think that's kind of what DC's got to do. But, you know, maybe they plan events around that you know and and that would be fine but maybe not the whole line you know you don't have to do the whole line every time and uh you know i think they used to do that in the 90s a lot you know like zero hour launched a bunch of books you know right
0: Um, Like, like six to eight books came out of that
1: right 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 so like you know and some of them stuck and some of them didn't but you know you know you got like a couple books that lasted eight issues you know like or eight to 12 issues like Primal Force and Manhunter. and Yeah,
0: I I, I definitely bet wrong after Zero Hour because I bought Primal Force and Manhunter. (laughs) I was like, Starman, that's going nowhere.
1: Right. Well, and, and, you know, like fate lasted 20 issues. You know, that's decent in in those times. And, you know, um, and then, or maybe not so decent, but, uh, you know, Starman lasted 80 issues, you know. Or yeah. 81, I think. Um, and so, like, you know, you're never going to, like, hit it out of the park all the time. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, Primal Force was a great book. Um, yeah. So, you you know, I, I don't know if you totally bet wrong, Pilly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: Um, and then finally in the news, uh, sad news in that just Gordon-Levitt announced on his Facebook page that he's, leaving uh or he left the the movie adaptation of neil gaiman's the sandman
1: yeah so um it's because it was initially at warner and then warner gave all of its vertigo properties or licensed them out to new line Mm. and so at that point that's when um guillermo del toro left that uh justice league dark or dark universe title um and now joseph gordon levitt is leading sandman and he said you know it's just creative differences and you know right you know he was he was very you know polite and nice about it and you know uh that's a
0: bummer because he seemed really excited you know for that and he was working on it with david goyer so like that that had the potential to be something really great
1: right you know the bummer of both of those things is that you know if you wanted to see a magic movie uh magic slash horror movie set in the dc universe and you were like name a director i'd be like guillermo del Toro, Mm. and you know now he's gone i don't know you know i'm sure there's other directors and other writers out there who who would be great at it but i feel like this move has really you know not been great for those uh you know in development titles
0: nice yeah yeah
1: yeah that that is a
0: bummer like if you if that if that's your particular um corner of the dc universe then yeah yeah. What, what looked very promising all of a sudden is like oh man
1: yeah yeah well you know since we are we were just this talking about a uh, rebirth why don't we uh, why don't we do the our our rebirth titles up front
0: okay and this, this week we're doing the batman books right
1: right right and we're, we're trying to get up to 52 here yeah and, and i have i
0: have actually one more batman title than i had superman titles. oh
1: I, I i am looking at your uh your, your list you're you're almost halfway to the end
0: yeah, but that's a lot. There's still a lot of books to go. I I thought I'd be. I, I honestly thought I'd have like ten to twelve Superman books, ten to twelve Batman books. So I'm still a little like under as far as that. But I had oh, really I had nine nine Superman books last week, and I have ten Batman books this week. Interesting. Um, yeah. So uh, so I'll who go, should start?
1: I'll go first. I think you went first last week, so I'll go first this week. Okay, sounds good. So. Uh, Last week, I said Action Comics uh, was going to be a rotating cast of characters, and Chris Robertson was going to be uh, writing it, and um, he'd have a rotating uh, group of artists. So it could be a full issue on one character, uh, several... several. several issues uh in the story arc it could link in with other things or it could be like you know anything he wants you know and Mm -hmm. same thing i want to do for detective except i am going to put the master of all batman characters on this and that's paul dini nice and he's gonna have a rotating rotating cast of artists strong 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 choice thanks thank you thank you Next up, Batman. And I like my Batman weird.
0: Okay. And,
1: uh, you know, like I loved Grant Morrison's run on Batman. But, you know, he's done with Batman. He, he wrote uh, a heck of a lot of Batman. And so I'm going to the next best person, and mm-hmm. that's
0: Matt Fraction wow nice 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 choice
1: yeah and uh you know but i still want it to be kind of superhero-y so i'm throwing jason fabok in as the artist because i love how he draws batman
0: nice yeah yeah his his batman and justice league has has been exciting like I, yeah yeah i agree i love the way he draws batman as well
1: after that i'm going to a title that i'm calling the robins and, you know, there's just so many Robins now, and I like them all. You know, I like them from Grayson all the way to, like, you know, We Are Robin. You know, every, every which way you look, you know, there's a Robin, and I, I, I want to see them all. And um, Tom King is writing a fantastic Grayson right now, and mm-hmm. I think he would be great on all of the Robins um and so i would put him on the book and i think sonny lou who is uh doing dr fate right now um has great storytelling abilities uh, has a, a really great style and draws young people awesome so i'm putting him with tom king on the robins and also nightwing is getting a book also by tom king and uh, it's the same team that's on Grayson. So Mikkel Jannon is going to be uh, doing Nightwing there. So it's your Tom King, Robin duo. Nice. And uh, after that, I'm going to go to Batgirl. And in Batgirl, um, I'm going to keep with the creative team that is awesome at Batgirl. I'm going to keep Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tarr.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: um And my same thought goes for uh, this next book, which is Harley Quinn, and I'm going to put Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, and Amanda uh, Amanda Connor there. Now, now, that's something I find surprising from you. Now, see, I, I it's not my favorite team that I right. would put on uh, Harley Quinn, but I know that people like it. You know, like. That's a that's a breakout series everybody loves that series and because of those creators and I don't like it in particular, but it speaks to people. So, who am I to judge, you know. Hmm.
0: And so while I'm, I am definitely somebody to judge because that did not make it incident into my 10 books that I'm pitching.
1: Oh, really? Wow um so I, yeah because i was looking at like what would sell too like this is right like you know and i'm like this is this is selling this is a good thing um my next book is a team book by gail simone and nicola scott and it's birds of prey
0: okay interesting
1: and i loved their run on birds of prey and uh i want more of it except this is how i would have them set it up i would have overwatch aka felicity smoke from the arrow universe um and her pal black canary team up with batgirl and huntress so it's kind of like an arrow batman crossover book and so i think it would it kind of fits that idea that dc has of bringing tv elements into the comics but it also like gives a a nice twist on the birds of prey and um you know um felicity smoke as of this season is in a wheelchair uh much like um oracle was so i think it really gives um it gives the book like you know what it had pre-new 52 and what it has you know now and i think yeah. you know it would be cool like much like gil simone did was rotate out other superheroes uh depending on the mission you know yeah and my last batman book is suicide squad and okay. i don't think there's anybody else who could handle a suicide squad right now than michelle Fife.
0: i agree 100
1: and that's my batman so book you know-
0: so, you have him writing and drawing that. Yep. Nice. Nice. Um, that's funny. I, yeah, I almost gave Michelle Fife two Batman books, um, but I'll get to that in a minute. So, like you, uh, I had him for Suicide Squad, and I was just like, he can have free reign to do whatever he wants. I know he <laughs> loves the Suicide Squad like more than any other comic. Like, he had his. Uh, original collection of the entire run of the series bound into like custom hardcovers and then had the artists from the series do like the inside book cover, like original art, like pinups. Oh, and wow. Um, yeah. So like he is the hugest suicide squad fan. copra is basically like a love letter to the suicide squad. So I was like, Michel Fife writing an art. Um, yeah. All about it. And then, uh, but I'll get to another thing, because he, he has had uh, two books out at the same time before. Like, while he was working on Copra, he also had um, The Ultimates from Marvel, where he wasn't doing the art, but he was, he was writing it. And right. so for, for that, um, I'm going to give Michelle Fife a second title. Where he is writing *The Outsiders*, another '80s stalwart comic, um, right? With art by Mark Bagley, because I was like, this is just going to be a very action-focused comic. Mark Bagley would be perfect for it, because um, cool. he can ca- capture that '80s/slash '90s feel while still making it seem modern. And this is how you get two books from DC um, about like their breakout '80s series, both written by Michelle Fife but one with art by him and one without art uh by him so that's that's two titles um now but now Uh, we're gonna get to the main event all
1: right yeah and and i gotta say when you and i hit the same idea on the same books for the same creators i'm like dc why are you not doing this yeah seriously it's like printing
0: money right like, like like we're not like going out on a limb it's like oh like i can't believe that like you know you also picked i don't know like stan lee to come in and work on batwoman like that right. would be a weird choice and if we both had that it'd be a weird choice and if we'd both be like what are we talking about um but yeah like something like Michelle Fife on Suicide Squad seems like an obvious choice. And I, don't, I still don't understand why DC hasn't like snagged, like just thrown some money at him already.
1: Right, right. I don't no. know. I do not so, know. But all right. Suicide Squad
0: and the Outsiders, kind of like the smaller time of the Batman books. I'm going to go straight to the, the Batman uh, main event. Last week, I talked about Mark Wade on Superman with Chris Samney. So. We know Mark Wade can write multiple books per month. So I'm also giving Mark Wade Batman. Imagine oh. the marketing behind that. If Mark Wade returned to DC Comics and was writing both Superman and Batman. Wow. Of course they're going to cross over after like six or 12 issues. Um, the artists on this, because this is such a big deal, Ivan Rice and Joe Prado. Um, well,
1: you know, you just put my Superman uh, creative team on your Batman creative team.
0: Oh, that's funny. I didn't even realize I was doing that. That's so funny. And I was just like, man, like, Ivan Rice and Joe Prado, they've drawn Batman in Justice League. They've drawn him in uh, Flashpoint, in, um, in, like, the main Flashpoint series, uh, in the Blackest Night series, the zombie Batman. So now it's like, all right, but they've never actually worked on the Batman comic other than doing, like, variant covers for it. So right. yeah, that creative team and Mark now, have Wade
1: they ever worked with Mark Wade.
0: I don't think they have because they they mainly over the past few years have just worked with Jeff Johns, not counting the Cyborg series.
1: Right, and yeah, and what? So that's really interesting that both you and I picked Mark Wade to work with uh, Ivan Rice and Joe Prado. You know, and they have never worked together before.
0: Yeah, so DC, listen up. Yeah, put 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 Mark Wade on a book with Ivan Rice and Joe Prado, and then go and then go cash to the checks from all the books that you sell. <laughs> um, so for just Detect- thank us
1: on the way to the bank.
0: I feel like Detective Comics is often the um, even though it's where Batman first appeared, it's like Action Comics with Superman. It's it's kind of like the little brother to the main Batman title. And it, it seems to always get like the secondary creative team. So I was like, this for for rebirth, for something this big, it should have a top-notch creative team. So for this, since Batman would be much more superhero focused, like Mark Wade or the great Tower of Babel Justice League storyline, which is a great Batman storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, Detective Comics, I think, would be much more street level, much more crime and mystery based. So for that, I just went straight to Ed Brubaker Um, and art on that by Andy Kubert, who is no stranger to Batman since he was the artist on a lot of Grant Morrison's run. Mm. Um, So that's, that's my Batman detective comics one, two punch. Um, Then I've got two really easy choices, Batgirl, Brandon Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, Babstar. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And then, Black Canary backups in that series. Raise, raise that book by a dollar and you can afford to put in Black Canary backups by the Black Canary team. Right. Um, the, the previous Black this this most recent Black Canary team. Um, and then the other thing is Gotham Academy. Keep the same creative team. This book is like the little engine that could. I don't want it to go away. Um, so now we are six titles deep into my Batman books. And now we're gonna get to the sidekicks. So first, Robin, and by Robin I mean Tim Drake,
1: written oh. by James.
0: Yeah, that's right. Tim Drake, back as Robin. Um, you know, like not Red Robin, not not Drake. It's Robin. star Uh, Tim Drake, written by James Tenyon the Fourth, art by Mike McCone, who. Uh,
1: oh man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mike McCone can has proven in the past that he can do acrobatic superheroes. Um he was he had a great run on Spider Man. And Teen Titans. Yeah, he was Jeff Johns' artist on Teen
1: Titans. Where he like drew he, uh, Tim Drake. Tim Drake, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so uh now don't think I haven't forgotten about my favorite Robin though, Damien. And that's my next title, Nightwing and Robin. And the mm. Robin and this is Damien. So think about it. We've got basically the uh, the Batman from Grant Morrison's you know Batman series when uh, Bruce was lost in time, teaming up with Batman's son Damien. But it's Nightwing. It's not Batman and Robin. It's Nightwing and Robin. I can't believe DC has never put out this series before. Like Nightwing and Robin just is an awesome-sounding title. Um Art, And that's just going to be the Batman and Robin creative scene of Pete, reunite Pete Tomasi and Patrick Leeson and take all my money. Like, after I came up with this today, I want this <laughs> to be a series. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I'm a little pissed that this is not a series.
1: There, there are there a are few books that you have picked right now that I'm like, oh, I would I would buy that. I would buy that a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: this, this is up
0: there with like my Jimmy Olsen, written by Bill Hader with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. Like I yeah. want, I, I want this to happen. DC, if somebody at DC, please be listening. I hope Dan Didio is actually a regular listener now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I already talked about the Outsiders and Suicide Squad. Next up, Batgirl. If you are
1: Dan Didio, I'm sorry for what I said earlier.
0: <laughs> uh, Batgirl. We already talked about the Batgirl. The you know the the Bab the Tar. Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart title. This is Bat Girls. It's going to be uh, Barbara, Cassie, and Steph. Maybe we'll even have Bat Woman show up. Um, and written by Peter David and art by Ed Bennis. And the two of them worked together on Supergirl in the late 90s. And in their Supergirl series, they had the late 90s Supergirl team up with a time displaced Silver Age Supergirl. And I right. absolutely loved it. It ran for I think twelve to eighteen issues before that title got canceled. Um, and I I'm no, a big no, fan no, of no, it. No, 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 no.
1: That that title ran for like years.
0: The title ran for a long time, but that uh, that came late in the run.
1: Right. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah,
0: like yeah. when the Supergirl from the '60s showed up in, uh and to to you know meet Linda. Um, that, was, that wasn't that was far from the end of that series. You're right. And it made me right. sad.
1: Okay. Because I
0: remember shortly after that, Ed Benes jumped over to Birds of Prey with Yael Simone. Right, right. Um, so Ed Benes is great at drawing the female form. He excels at it. Um, he is good. He, he is strongest on a title that is mostly female characters. Peter David is a man who writes women very well. Um, and writes women on teams very well. So I think he'd be great for contrasting the different Batgirls with each other. And plus, then we've got the return of Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, who... Stephanie Brown, you know, was in Batman Eternal. She had a major part in that. Cassandra Cain has pretty much been absent for all of the new 52, right? Like I haven't been missing something.
1: Um, I don't... I, don't, I, like, I, 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 I think, think she showed, might... I think she showed up maybe in... Batman Eternal? Okay, maybe. I know Stephanie Brown
0: did. Um, Cassie, I thought, like, she showed up in Grant Morrison's post New 52 Batman Incorporated, which really took place, like, pre New 52. And and then we never seemed to, like, see her again. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, Batgirls, Peter David, and Ed Venice. Brings me to my next Batman title um, Tales from Arkham Asylum. This is. Going to be an ongoing book with a rotating cast of characters, um, written by Neil Gaiman. He can pick and choose whoever he wants from the Batman villains who are locked away in Arkham Asylum. Art, new artist every three issues. Like figure, hmm. like every one of these will be a two to three issue arc. A couple of one, one, sh- like one and done's thrown in two. New artist every storyline. Neil Gaiman basically gets free reign to write whatever he wants with the Batman villains. And the Batman villains are so kind of like through the looking glass that I think they'd be perfect for Neil Gaiman just to like run wild with. And that doesn't even have to like necessarily be in continuity, you know? Yeah. And again, printing money. (laughs) Yes. And then finally is a personal favorite of mine, Lil' Gotham. By Dustin Newen, um, yeah, just uh, let him keep working on that book. So there you go. I had um, nine Superman titles. I have eleven Batman titles. So that brings me up to 20, 20 books in the in the rebirth so far.
1: Wow, um, I was I ahead. Yeah,
0: that's funny. I thought I was like falling behind, but I, I think I'm. I'm. i Maybe I'm throwing too many. Like I'm really you know like it's funny that whenever dc does like a line-wide thing like this people complain oh it's all superman books it's all batman books but Mm -hmm. it really is like so many of the really good dc characters are superman characters and batman characters just because those two characters are so strong that they just have such a great supporting cast around them
1: yeah yeah um yeah wow
0: now i'm glad that neither of us did like the four Batman titles though, you know, like there's, we didn't do legends of the dark night or like Batman, <laughs> the fourth week Batman book.
1: Right. Right. You know, I think we both like kind of were like, okay, there's your main Batman book. And then your secondary Batman book. And my idea with the secondary Batman book would be that, like, it would also play kind of like that showcase that uh, series that, dc did in the 90s where like if you did have like a breakout character in that boom you're off and running right um but uh yeah we we, we didn't be like batman this batman legends of dark Knight, batman the cape crusader that's that's never been a, a a title though i think it should be mm. um but yeah you get my point so uh so next week um what do you want to so
0: are we just going to do like
1: you everything just else do the rest yeah and break it down into groups you know
0: that sounds good yeah yeah it's it, like with the batman you could get a lot of batman books with the superman you get a lot of superman books but it's not like we're gonna be like all right next week gonna be the aquaman books like, or, <laughs> or yeah like or the, 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 the like wonder, the wonder
1: woman books, books. Like, get like at most
0: five out of that if you really stretch it
1: right and even like uh the wonder woman books like of their big three you know superman batman wonder woman it's usually wonder woman (laughs) Uh, so yeah so i think you know i'm gonna gonna come back i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna hit hard with some flash and arrow uh next week nice and uh yeah so all right cool so next week uh the new
0: 52s the new new 52s i love Uh, that name
1: (laughs) we will we will get into the rest of the dc universe and how we break it down to 52
0: perfect um awesome so let's talk some tuesday night book club then
1: yeah yeah Um, yeah so miracle man volume one dream of flying
0: yes and i didn't i loved it um i it like to me this was you know the, the 80s are known for deconstruction of superheroes and also the beginning of like the grim and gritty era of superhero comics and a big complaint of that era is that a few people did it awesome in the beginning, and then everybody copied off it? And this is an example of it being done awesome in the beginning, right? right. Like, Alan Moore really, you know, took the concept of Marvel Man, Miracle Man, which is basically Captain Marvel, um, you know, the Fawcett DC Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, and really deconstructed it, like down to even when like Miracle Man reemerges in the eighties and he's explaining to his wife, like his past, uh, she's like, that sounds so silly. Like, do you hear what you're saying? And, and it really does. Like when you think like if, if someone told you a story, uh, as happening like in real life and it was a silver age, like thing, it's so convoluted and usually like needlessly complicated plots and stuff. Um, for for basically like, simple things but i yeah i i absolutely love this i thought the artwork was gorgeous i really liked the um uh, the the writing like or the writing by the original writer as he's credited because alan moore <laughs> did not want to be credited but uh yeah i thought it was fantastic what did you think of it
1: um i loved it um yeah. and i think anyone who loves the genre of superheroes should read this book yeah and i think that it has influenced um a lot of creators going down the line and uh it 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 really gives way to what we see with um alan moore and what he does in swamp thing and consecutive series uh you know the you know playing with what the, what human identity means, you know, mm. um, and how, you know, Miracle Man might be uh, someone different from uh, uh, Michael Moran, you know? Right. And and that's something, that's a theme he plays with in Swamp Thing. And so, you know, he, he dives into that deeper after this, you know? Oh, Absolutely. And I, and, and, I, and I think that's really interesting. And I... I one of the things that I like to see is like themes throughout, you know, author's work, you know? Um, And, you know, we talked a little bit about that with uh, Jeff Lemire and, you know, Sweet Tooth to Descender, you know? And I think you could also see that with um, Miracle Man to Swamp Thing, you know? As different as those stories are, you know? And um, I think you could even see it reverberate throughout, you know, Grant Morrison's work, you know? the idea that, you know, those 1950s comics that, uh, Miracle Man was in, were, were all like, uh, a virtual reality, you know, it's something that, uh, Grant Morrison used in his Batman run, uh, explaining the sixties comics of Batman. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think this, this series, uh, influenced grant morrison so much um oh totally that's what i got when i was reading it a lot i was like wow this influenced grant morrison a lot and and the idea of what an identity is and, and that kind of stuff and that that really you know especially in grant morrison's early work with like invisibles and and those books he really is thinking about what it means what your identity means you know mm. Um, and that is played with a lot. And I think, you know, you even see, like, Kingdom Come, you know. Uh, oh, totally. And, and how um, Kid Miracle Man in here, uh, you know, stays uh, Kid Miracle Man, you know. Um, and how that influenced Mark Wade, you know, yeah. uh, with his writing of Kingdom Come. This is uh, a series that has definitely influenced everything that we've read, you know, and it's so nice that we get to read it now, you know, Um, it was, it was unavailable for a long time. So um, I I think, I think it's, it's great just to, to read and see what kind of effects it had. And um, I know earlier in our podcasts, um, we talked about the book that Grant Morrison said that this guy had, that Al Moore had read. Um that kind of hits the same plot points as this. And I was on did you read that? Um I, I no. forget what it was called, but um yeah. Oh
0: yes, I did. It was uh, uh Twilight of the Superheroes. Right, right,
1: right, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, I had read the uh like the, the pitch for that, and it's it's rather long. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I did read that and it is, it, it is fascinating. It's very like, you could
1: see Kingdom Come being- Oh, no, no, um... no, I'm sorry. I think we oh, talked okay. about, um, there was a writer who wrote uh, like kind of a pastiche, uh, a novel, uh, uh, a prose novel.
0: Oh, okay, yes, now I know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. Um, no, I didn't read that.
1: And neither did I, but now I want a more because I'm like, these are great ideas, but were they Alan Moore's? <laughs> right, and right if they weren't that is that's fine because this is a great series it doesn't take anything away from it you know yeah um but it, it would be cool to see you know that like that person's prose novel to alan moore's work in the 80s to grant morrison and mark wade's work in the late 80s to uh the 90s you
0: know totally um and yeah. And what's cool about this is that, you know, the Alan Moore era of Miracle Man. this was not a series that ran for a long time. I think it ran for like 25 issues and a few annuals. Um, so you, already Marvel has reprinted Alan Moore's entire run uh, in hardcover. You, you have this one, A Dream of Flying, book two is the Red King syndrome, and then book three is Olympus. And, and those are all in print right now. Uh, And then in April, we're going to get the start of the Neil Gaiman, Mark Buckingham run, uh, Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, book one, The Golden Age. And that follows up after the Alan Moore era ends. Um, So, yeah, it's cool that these books are in print. There was, Miracle Man suffered, for those who don't know, Miracle Man suffered from, uh, basically, the rights were just tied up by so many people claiming ownership to it that uh, it, it really is such a, Okay. Intricate story that it's worth googling. Um, Todd McFarlane's involved in it. The Marvel acquisition of Angela has has to play with with uh, Miracle Man finding itself back into print again. It, it's fascinating. Just the 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 lawsuits involved in in getting Miracle Man this book that looked like it was never going to be reprinted. So back issues commanded such high dollar amounts because. It was like okay, this book was reprinted in the '80s. Uh, it ran as Marvel Man originally in Warrior magazine in Britain. Then it was reprinted in the U.S. as Miracle Man by Eclipse, uh, and it was. Collected I think that in some- had
1: to do with uh, legalities with DC.
0: Yes, yeah, they changed the name from Marvel Man to Miracle Man um, because of like the Captain Marvel, and I think also because of of like, I think Marvel Comics also didn't want him being called Marvel Man either oh okay yeah
1: and then i think Um, when joe quesada took over marvel Knights, and then eventually took over marvel comics as editor-in-chief he started marvel for miracles right yes and and that was the pathway to what we have now
0: yeah yeah um but yeah it's a crazy story the like the trials and tribulations like that could be its own book like just the talking about basically the publication history of miracle man from the 1980s to the present because um, it, it really is crazy I, I remember just like reading usenet forums in the 90s all about this and I, and I was like i wanted to hunt down the issues but they were like over 80 to 100 dollars a piece for like just random miracle man issues because it looked like these would never get printed again right so they were just you know hard to find people who had them didn't want to sell them and a lot of people, like, you just didn't see them. You didn't see them on convention floors or in back-issue bins. The, yeah.
1: the the one critique I have of this book is not of the story, but it's of the filler matter. Hmm. Um, and that's funny because
0: I didn't find the stuff, to like, all the bonus content to be filler. I actually enjoyed it a
1: lot. Well, um, I, I liked it. I, it's mm. i think it was just how it was presented okay um i kind of wish i was able to just read Moore's run through okay and you know i think they picked select miracle man comics nicely in that like sometimes they played into the story a little bit like um and it, it really gave you an idea of what Al Moore was basing his story off of, you know, Right. but after each issue, when I read like, you know, essays and, or as it's presented in the book, after each chapter, you read an essay and you read old comics that aren't, like, oh okay did you read it in single issue no i I read the uh the trade
0: oh that's it but like I guess the digital version then is different than the print version of the trade because I read the print version and it's just the the issues that are collected um so what what was it the first six issues or the first eight issues uh, and f- then in the
1: I think it's well and, there's only four the- issues of Miracle. Of managed. the Alan Moore, yeah. Okay,
0: so in in the uh, in the print version of the trade, I think the print version of the trade and the digital version of the trade must be different then, because oh, I, I know in the in the in the print version of like in the single issues, um, there was the Alan Moore lead story and then a uh, like a nineteen fifties nineteen sixties backup story. Uh, in the trade though, it just goes through the straight Alan Moore story, and then you've got um as a backup uh following it, you get a story from I think Warrior Annual, where um uh, Miracle Man teams up with this like sap samurai looking guy um who has like time powers and this right. is called uh, and then it was followed up with a story based on that character and, like, his legion of characters, um, which I thought was kind of cool. It's called Cold War, Cold Warrior. It was right. like a, an, And then after that, it was just, like, a lot of production stuff. So, like, a lot of original art. Um, you got to see, like, uh, painted covers and just, like, yeah, just a lot of production material and variant covers and stuff like that.
1: Wow. Huh yeah that's totally different um how i I, it it started with the original miracle man's strip or or comic book and then that book led kind of seamlessly into alan moore's book uh which was nice Mm. Um,
0: did did it start with the invaders from the future uh yeah Okay, well, that's part, that's the, that, that that I think is an Alan Moore comic.
1: Oh, so it was made to look like an old comic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, okay. And then after that, they went back into an old comic. Um, oh, interesting. So that's what confused me where I, you know, because like, I couldn't figure out who was who, you know, like, I mean, gotcha. it could, but now looking at it, I couldn't figure out who was who. Where I, I didn't realize that he was, you know, doing a pastiche of like what those old comics were.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: um, that's interesting. That in the digital version, it's collect. It seems like the digital version is a collection of the single issues that Marvel put out, because every one of those single issues had a backup story that was like old time uh, Miracle Man.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like it was that it was the essays. I liked it all, but yeah, what you read sounds much more cohesive.
0: Yeah. No, it totally was. Um, because every issue just bled seamlessly into the next one. Like they didn't even put the covers separating them. Uh, oh, so yeah, as, this as soon is... as like as soon as one issue ended, you just knew a new issue began because there was a new like the new title
1: page appeared. Uh, the title page sounds, is where it's, that sounds way nicer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because yeah, I, I remember you emailed me and I was you were like, oh, there's so much filler. And I was like, yeah, you know, because I, I, I was like 75 pages into this and I'm like, man, there's a lot of book left. But then the book ended up being this backup story on this like, you know, Cold War, Cold Warrior, which Miracle Man isn't even in. It's just it regards uh, like a, a side character. And then after that, it's uh, the trade has about 30 or 40 actually. Fifty pages of variant covers, um, sketches, concept sketches, and then like production artwork, and which I mean, was
1: really cool too. Yeah, it is cool. You know, like I looked at all of it. You know, but it just broke up the story really in an odd way.
0: Totally. Um, yeah, that it sounds like it was not presented well in the digital version. Now that's good to know because I was planning on buying the digital version of volume two the red king syndrome but i think I'm, maybe i'll just order the print one then
1: yeah i might do that myself
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a bummer that they kind of like had a bit of a snafu on the uh on the digital version
1: yeah yeah it's like
0: when you put a digital trade together you expect it to just be the same as the as the print trade
1: right um, huh so
0: that's weird that is weird um so now we don't have a book picked for next week uh so i want to know i i kind of want to read salvation run i think watching so much dc's legends of tomorrow has me wanting to like read a uh a heat wave and captain cold story
1: (laughs) all right
0: uh, so i wanted to th- have you ever read it i also never read that book
1: um i haven't but i know it's like involved in another storyline
0: yeah yeah but at the same time like all the dc villains are basically getting shipped off planet um i, I think it was a, a lead up to infinite crisis because i i think uh alexander luther like it gets revealed later on that he secretly like wanted to remove all the villains like off the, off the, off the playing board.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Yeah. But I, I, I'm hoping that it also stands on its own as a, as a series.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, no, I'd be up for that. All right. So next week, Salvation Run. Did you have anything else to say about Miracle Man? So I feel like this is a book that not only have a lot of comic book fans not read, but I wouldn't be surprised This is a book just people haven't heard of.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I I don't have so much to say, but I feel like it's one of those books where, like, I would say, like, read this, read Swamp Thing, read Watchmen, read Dark Knight Returns. Then, you know, I I feel like it's like you read Sandman, Kingdom Come, and... And then I feel like a great sequel to um, Watchmen is The Authority. Oh, totally. Because it it just takes it a step further, you know? Right. And I I still think that holds up in some ways, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I feel like that is like the way you should look at the superhero genre, you know, and and, and I would add stuff in there like animal man and, you know, the invisibles and, you know, other things like that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I I really think that, you know, this is like a great starting place in like the modern era of comic books. Yeah.
0: I was surprised both um, how much I liked the miracle man series. And then also how well it stood up, like it, it, it definitely, you know, the politics involved in it, it's very like nuclear war and Cold War stuff. So uh, it definitely comes across as an 80s comic, but it doesn't seem dated, you know, like even even if the politics are dated, it the story doesn't seem dated, the emotional content of it doesn't seem dated.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And and I think what was nice is that it looks like Marvel recolored it. Yes. And so that that does a lot for the art. Cause if you look at like eighties comics, you know, um yeah. it's just you know. It, it, it's it's nice, but the sometimes the colors look awful, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think As far as like a visual art form, like once we got into computer, uh, computer, um, coloring, it just enhanced the, you know, art form so much, you know, so so yeah. So are you ready to jump into the 20?
0: I am. And my 20 has a huge change. I had exactly $20 worth of books. And then I realized something. There's a book coming out this week that I need to buy, and that is DK3 number three, the hardcover version, and it is eating up $13 of my 20.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yeah, so gone are a couple of books, but I I am loving these oversized hardcovers, and I'm like, nope, that just jumped up to the top, and I was like, uh, oh, maybe I won't mention it. Like, nope, I'm really loving the presentation that DC has put into these hardcovers of DK3. And I'm I'm in for all nine issues. Um that's how long the series is, right? Uh yeah. It's eight
1: uh, or nine. Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I'm all in. I'm hoping that the last one, which comes packaged with a slipcase to hold them all, isn't hard to find. Like I could see people just buying that out of speculation, and mm. then people like me who have been waiting three weeks after DK three issues come out to just pick up the hardcover version, get screwed. I'm really yeah. hoping that doesn't happen. All right. So that's 13 bucks. It's going to be a short 20 for me. Um, then the next thing I'm picking up is Baker street peculiars by Roger Langridge and Andy Hirsch. Um, this is a cool series. It's an indie series. So, uh, you know, make sure your store has ordered it because, um, Roger Landridge and Andy Hirsch are doing. It's a Sherlock Holmes comic set in 1930s London. Um, and it's about the famous detective Sherlock Holmes, except Sherlock Holmes doesn't actually exist. He's a fictional character created by housekeeper Mrs. Hudson, which if you're a, a Sherlock fan, you'll recognize, who has been the real detective all along, writing Holmes adventures under the pen name of John Watson and riding around the city in disguise. Um so it turns out there's no John Watson, there's no Sherlock Holmes. It's all the invention of Mrs. Hudson, you know, like Sherlock Holmes's landlady. Um, and so th- this looks fun and it looks kind of kid-focused too. And Roger Landridge is, is, is known for his Young Readers uh, comics, I feel like. And so I, I'm excited for this. This looks like an interesting take on Sherlock Holmes that hasn't been done before and it looks like it's going to have a unique voice. So that's hmm. that's 4 bucks. That brings me up to 17. Um and then after that I uh, I'm going to have to go a dollar over because it was hard to find a $3 book that I was excited for and I'm I'm just going to go with Deadpool Spider-Man number 3 by Joe Kelly and McGuinness. It's a $4 comic. Can't pass up these characters with this creative team. It's just like it's too much like all like signs pointing Billy by this, like give it a Todd McFarlane cover and like, just take my money now. <laughs> so that brings me to $21. Uh, worth it. Three I, books, tw- $21. I can't stand comic book prices.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I, I went half a 20 this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going for earth Two society number 10 because Dan Abnett is now writing, and I love it again. Like, this, I'm so excited that I love a Justice Society book again, because that is my favorite team, you know? That's my favorite book. That's,
0: yeah, I remember how bummed you were when you announced that you were no longer picking up Earth 2.
1: Yeah. And so I'm also picking up uh, uh, Telos, uh, number six, by Jeff King and Igor Vitt. Tornos
0: vitrinino yeah Nice. yeah
1: and it's multiverse beware because Telos and or Telos and parallax are um, have created a new coast city um which...
0: and this is parallax 1990s Hal Jordan parallax
1: right so um it looks like this is like jumping off of where green Lantern was Last week, which I did not read, but this is all sounding very interesting to me. And I am definitely, it's in my 20, but I'm definitely picking it up when, uh, in reality, I'm picking it up when it drops uh, a dollar uh, gotcha. on Comixology. Uh But one thing I think I am going to pick up is Mockingbird number one. Mm. Um, and I'm just really interested to see what Marvel's doing with their uh, favorite character of the shield series
0: yeah especially because like you know mockingbird's a character that's been around since the 1980s she was married to hawkeye for a while she was in- instrumental part of the west coast avengers um so i'm interested to see like what they're keeping and what they're throwing away f- with the character
1: yeah so yeah um that's 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 my 10.
0: Mm. they your 10. oh man it's a sad day for comics dave can only get to like half a 20.
1: well you know what i've got so many books i bought last week that i didn't even get to because i was so busy this week so it, like 10... it was tough yeah this was a tough week
0: yeah like i hit 21 but that 13 of that was one book
1: <laughs> right right yeah and and i and i picked up a a fade i picked up two chronoses and back issues and you know they started uh putting uh, the Damage series as a, a digital again, um, converting that to digital comics as well. I'm like, oh, I love Damage, you yeah. know. So now I'm like, all these old series I want to reread that are so exciting. And uh, you know, last week was also big because you know, I think Martian Manhunter came out uh, uh, on uh, the the recently reduced, and so did Aquaman, and so did. Uh, Omega Man and Cyborg, and so a lot of books came out last week that I did not get to, um, and so I'm um, I'm I'm definitely getting to them this week. Nice. So what did so you... what else?
0: Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, oh, it... I see what you're doing. I,
0: I actually read a bunch this week. It was a you know this wasn't just like oh I got to read what's in the book club. I I also read Spider-Man: The Clone Saga by Tom DeFalco and howard mackey writing uh, art by todd knock now this is uh, a mini series that came out in the 2000s um it was a six issue series and it basically pared down the clone saga which ran the, in the intro for this series they admit that the clone saga ran way too long um so they got two of the original writers of the clone saga mm-hmm. and artist todd knock who um, at that point, had already done the Obama story in Spider-Man um, to tell like a pared down version of it. And it, it, it was they cleaned up a lot of the mess and they removed uh, like the less memorable characters like Traveler and the Scryer and the legions of Scryers. Like Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider is still there. Kane is still there. The Jackal is still the villain. They actually changed the story around about who the real, like, big villain is at the end. Um, And interesting, like, Norman Osborn still comes back, but has, like, a heroic twist at the end. So, this Mm. is definitely not in continuity. Um, But, uh, yeah. So, it's good stuff. Mm. Um, It's worth reading. It's on Marvel Unlimited. So, if you have Marvel Unlimited, I totally recommend it. And then I read something else on Marvel Unlimited daredevil number 238 from the 1980s this was written by endosenti with art by salvage sema um this is daredevil versus Sabretooth. it has a very iconic cover of daredevil and a blonde girl who turns out to not be karen page in uh in like the morlock sewers this occurs during the mutant massacre and you have a jumping saber tooth attacking them um it is a cool story and it and Ascenti does this like great thing comparing Sabertooth to an actual tiger and how like when tigers are in the zoo, you know, like they're they their brains just aren't the same as like a regular tiger. And how basically the character Sabretooth when he's not being hired to go kill people, like he doesn't know what to do basically. So he's kind of like just wandering around the Morlock tunnels, um, and doesn't have like a purpose. This takes huh. place it doesn't say when it takes place, but it clearly takes place between Uncanny X Men 212 and 213. In my opinion, it's one of the better Sabretooth stories out there, which is funny because Uncanny X Men 212 and 213 are also two very excellent Sabretooth stories. Like before that, he was just, you know, an Iron Fist villain. And then Mutant Massacre is really what brought Sabretooth into his own. Um, besides those two Chris Claremont issues of X Men, also this issue of Daredevil like, really helped make him a very cool villain. And then the the cover, I was very surprised to find out because I'm very familiar with this cover. The cover, I could not believe it was actually done by Art Adams. And if you look up the cover for Daredevil two thirty eight, it is a very un Art Adams looking Art Adams cover. Like hmm. looking at usually like you look at an Art Adams drawing, you say, "Oh, that's Art Adams." Um, and this cover, I was like,
1: "That's Art Adams."
0: I just didn't see it. Um, but it's a great cover. So, what did you read?
1: Uh, I. That- I only had the time to read two books. Well, Pretty one good. was a trade. So um, Batman and Robin, Volume 1. I only I had time killed. to read two
0: books. But one of those books was six books.
1: <laughs> well, it was, it was a great book. And, uh, oh, yeah. and I started it at the beginning of uh, last week and I just couldn't put it down. And I was like, I should be reading uh, Miracle Man. Uh, to get ready. And I was like, I can't, this is so good. And uh, uh, it's by Peter Tomasi and uh, art by Patrick Leeson. um, And man, it's so good. And
0: And this was the, basically the start of the new 52, right?
1: Yes. uh, Correct. It is the start of the new 52. And um, it's about Bruce really acting as a father to Damien, you know, Mm. and, um, I mean, there's some things that hit hit home. I think because uh, we're expecting a son soon, so like gotcha. there's there's a lot of like, you know, those thoughts that went into to that book as I was reading it, and um, at the same time, it's just a great, great story, you know, and um, and it makes you really question Damien, you know, the choices he 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 makes are suspect and whether he was um altruistic in what he was doing uh, right. you know is still left up for a question and even though Bruce believes him you know I don't know if the reader is left believing him right And I, I, I think that is you know just like artfully done by uh both uh Tomasi and Gleason and uh yeah it was just it was a great 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 book um you know I am reading a lot of Batman books now and uh, I've finally gotten to the new 52 and what Scott Snyder has done, what uh, Kyle Higgins has done and what, you know, um, um, Peter Tomasi has done on Batman. It's all been great. It's all been fantastic.
0: I I think Scott Snyder gets all the headlines, but I I feel like... uh... Pete Tomasi and Patrick Elyson's Batman and Robin uh, is definitely, unfortunately like an overlooked series because it really is excellent. And a lot of times I, I would find it almost, yeah, you know, sometimes I'd find it to be better than the main Batman
1: book. And I, I think it it walked this line of being a continuity between Grant Morrison's book at the time right, and uh, Scott Snyder's book. Yeah, and it, and it did a fantastic job of it. You know, um, I, I, I can't recommend this book enough.
0: Yeah. And it only gets better. Um, cause I found myself reading the same volume a few months ago and then just basically like plowed through the whole series. Cause it, it really is great. And, uh, Tomasi and Gleason, they just keep building on previous is- issues. Um, so, you know, Gleason, a lot of the stories end up being involved in the Batman crossovers like Court of Owls and Death of the Family. Right. But at the same time, uh, Tomasi is able to build his own story that he keeps coming back to. And then Gleason's art, I think, is just insanely good. Like, the draftsmanship, like, in that first issue with the pearls um, dropping down into the sewer. Like, absolutely gorgeous. Like, it's right like 10 minutes looking at some of his pages.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was a fantastic series.
0: Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend. I definitely agree with you. Born to Kill, uh, Batman, around Volume 1. It, it is a great book.
1: Um, And outside of that, I read Old Man Logan, number three, um, by Jeff Lemire. Oh, nice. And... How, how was that? Um, It was a blast. And th- the one thing that, like, bums me out about these books is the price and how quickly I go through them. Yeah. Um, it was a blast, but it was also, I read it like super quickly, you know?
0: Oh,
1: and uh, at the beginning of the book, I was like, oh man, I can't wait for, you know, more, more Kate and, and Old Man Wolverine. And it, it quickly goes sour, but um, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> toward, at the end of the book, we, we get old man Logan and Old Man Steve Rogers meeting.
0: Oh nice. <laughs> Present day Steve Rogers who's an old man.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think I think this book is 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 really good and, and it's I think we're we're following Logan as he's figuring out that maybe he came into the past of a another universe. Oh interesting. He's not in his reality gotcha and so
0: So he's he's trying to change things and it might
1: right it it might be you know futile doesn't right so Hmm, so that's interesting yeah i
0: want to read that issue i didn't get a chance to though. um
1: you'll enjoy it you'll enjoy it
0: and that's it for you this week right that is
1: it that is it
0: Okay. Um, so we've got an important announcement, everybody. I want to wait until the end of the episode to say this because you're the true fans. <laughs> um, and there may or may not be an episode next week. My wife is due. Uh, we're expecting our first child, the birth of our daughter. My wife is due on Thursday. So that is two days from now. Um, while you're listening to this podcast, she might be in labor now. Um, she might go on Thursday, she might go before then, she might go after then. Uh, there's a decent chance that when we're recording this next week when we would, would be recording next week's episode, she might be in labor. So obviously there, there might so there might not be an episode next week. Um, either. Uh, and then with Dave's upcoming birth uh, of his son, we might have we might end up going on hiatus just because there are both of our families are growing very quickly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we might wait till our schedules uh, get to a schedule again until we uh, come back.
0: Yeah, so 114 weeks in a row, I have to say, Dave, we exceeded my expectations on, on, on this podcast. And I love this making this podcast every week, which is why I, did, I wanted to hold off on this announcement for as much as possible. So I'm hoping that we will be back next week with episode 115. But if we are not, um, you know, please know that, that we have immensely enjoyed creating this podcast for you for the past more than two years. Uh, and once things do normalize again, we do hope to come back to it.
1: Yeah. And maybe we'll have some co-hosts crying in the background.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, young, uh, Bruce Wayne Hennehan, or I'm sorry, young, um, Clark Elena. and Tomco yeah. and uh, yeah, Helena Wayne Hennehan. That actually <laughs> sounds nice. Gotta, Ooh, gotta run that man. one, man. I gotta run that one by my wife. There we go. There we go. Yeah, all right. So, everybody, thank you. Um, have an awesome Tuesday night. Uh, have an awesome week. And I do hope that we will be talking to you again next week.
1: Yes, yes. Happy Tuesday nights if we don't see yes. you. Yes,
0: yes. All right. Good night, everyone.